Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, do we all have the same intro joke ready to go? Because I probably do because I'm very lazy. I, I didn't so. want to do the first one, so I'm just going to do Korean language. <laughs> Unless I can have favorite thing on the Citadel. Wait. No! <laughs> I was going to do that. All right. I'll yeah, do I know you were, because I was also going to do it. <laughs> Welcome to Paragon Marathon. I'm Dan. Kill us a lie. With great pleasure, welcome to Paragon Marathon. With disdain, my name is Sarah. <laughs> Shit, That's an that Elcor. I'm being an Elcor. <laughs> it's over now. Tom, go. No, because I don't want to do it. You I gotta hate do it. it. Do it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm Commander Tom. <laughs> I'm Commander Shaw. This is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Good. We did it. We discovered the best Mass Effect joke no one else will ever no one remember. Ever thought of that? No yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to be doing our first podcast ep- on a video game. Oh, the, is this really? oh, damn it. Is. Yeah, this is the first one. We, I mean, like, technically, other characters have had video games, but this is the first one where it's like it was a video game first. Mass yeah, Effect. Lest we forget Shrek Party in the Swamp or whatever. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Lest we forget. So, uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, the Mass Effect episode focusing on Shepard. Yeah. Shepard. Commander That's the Shepard. hero's journey we're going to explore. Uh, the. Make your own space hero sim that was Mass Effect. And why are we going to talk about this video game, you ask? It had some interesting cultural ramifications. Mm-hmm. Fox News. Fox News got their dirty little hands on it. And uh, it was a, you know, a surprising success in a way that the creators didn't anticipate because it reached all these gamers. Uh, you might have heard of them. They're called women. Uh, (laughs) we got him yeah (laughs) i was gonna say that mass effect is like the landmark inheritor of the star trek mantle for sort of the like mid-2000s time frame in a very totally and the first sort of super successful mainstream version of that in video games which were a market that was like super exploding in the early 2000s and like continues to explode Mm mm-hmm it's true. It's like how like Game of Thrones had a big moment for fantasy everywhere. That's right. right. It brought like, it back. Star Wars is, you know, space fantasy, but similar, huge. Like people are like, oh, yeah, we could make movies about this. What a great idea. Mm-hmm. And Buffy and really for like paranormal yeah. stuff, like adventures and vampires or X-Files, yeah. I guess, arguably at the same time. Like, it was just, yeah, yeah, it was an iconic sci-fi moment for like people bigger than one small community. Yeah. And it had a much more narrative focus than, like, a Halo, which is pretty synonymous with, like, the video gaming community mm-hmm. of, Action. like, Mountain Dew drinking bros shooting aliens. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was a narrative-based game that advertised, that marketed itself on an epic space and storyline, and like ultimate, the ultimate promise of player choice and uh, like. Free yeah, because like as opposed to movies, the thing about video games that they really wanted to like take advantage of in the medium is that they could happen differently each time you played them. And in a narrative experience, that's very difficult to do. And it turned yeah. into this crazy multi-branching, like almost like a multiverse kind of scenario where everyone had a Commander Shepard experience, but it was always a little different than everyone else's mm-hmm. or they achieved slightly different results. So we're going to talk about, you know, how do you program that level of illusion into a game that still has to like meet really strict, crappy deadlines of crunch yeah. Uh, yeah. Scheduling. Murder. Has intense. cynical decisions. Yeah. Made about its development. Yeah, designed to make money more than tell a story. It's yeah, true. I mean, it surpassed a lot of odds for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first game came out in 2007. Then Mass Effect 2 was 2010. And Mass Effect 3 came out in 2012. So the shortest window of all. And it's the one that was like culturally acknowledged for. Uh, an unsatisfying ending to the trilogy <laughs> and a pretty rushed job in a lot of ways. I I would love to go into the story of Mass Effect, especially for our viewers who might not have played, but uh, they have re-released the Legendary Edition, so it's available on PlayStation, and I, I'm sure it's PC as yep. well. It is. It's sort of a hot topic right now. It was a big it release, and it's like 10 times more successful than they even planned it to be in terms of sales. Yeah, there are new first-time players as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's super nostalgic. Oh, 13 years after it first came out. Yeah, super nostalgic, high quality in terms of the graphical rework and like a moment where a lot of people were hungry for both comfort and like AAA games. Yeah. So it blew mm-hmm. up. It's also uh, got some star power behind it. Like, uh, voice acting in video games is a really fascinating subculture we could get into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, they're, it's fascinating to hear, like, some minor characters are, like, they, they go for it. As opposed to, like, getting a big name, a mainstream celebrity that, like, might yeah. phone in a video game performance. Yeah. Examples of both. Exactly. Uh, we get a lot of that. There are like cool cameos for the sci-fi community. Like one of your teammates' moms is Marina Sirtis or counselor Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next right. Generation. Right, 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 right. I remember that. Um, Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss is there. Wait, uh, who is she? Mar- uh, she is Arya Talok. <gasps> Dude. Carrie <That was> <laughs> Moss? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Her friends call her Carrie. <laughs> Miss Moss, <laughs> she's that, that, and that is an incredible performance. I had no idea. I assumed that most of the really good performances were just actor, like voice actors that I would never know the names of because, like, they oh, yeah. they put it, they put right. in the effort. Wow, like uh, wow. Saren, for instance, is like yeah. the Jafar of the first game, or just a you know kind of the Disney villain uh, on first glimpse. He's a really well known industry name. Fred. Oh God, I should have looked up how to pronounce it first. Tatasiore. Tatasiore. <laughs> yeah, Tatascori. Who knows? Tatascori. Keith David's like a main character. Keith David. Hell yeah. Yep. Keith David. Um, Is that he's like the, Yeah, he's sort of the Picard to Shepard's Riker. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, I don't want to play is, a game where I'm Riker. No, that's a you very good You were season one Riker. They really they got away from him <laughs> with the beard really and trombone did. playing. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So we should probably, like, at this point, do the story of Mass Effect. Let's do like, the story. Oh, we didn't even say Seth Green, and it's like the 
Seth Green. He was the hook. And Martin Sheen. And uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Trisha Helfert, I think, is the uh, uh, Edie, who is the Cylon yep. uh, babe from the Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And then she became a big booby robot. Freddie Prince Jr. As yeah. arguably Jr. the worst character. Yep. <laughs> not a lot of fans. No. no. It's not his fault. He tried but to. But he got tons of fans in Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, so. they like gave him a redemption arc in a different <laughs> yeah. franchise they made. It's <laughs> wild. He's like a trans ally, really fun character wow. in that one. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Good for Freddy. Uh, and he had a mega penis. Mega really? penis is canonical. Mega penis. Sure I remember that. Mega penis. We should talk about Jennifer Hale. She is also the voice of Commander Shepard yep. if you play as a woman. That's yeah. right. Uh, Incredible performance. Exactly. Just really well-seasoned uh, voice actor. You'll see her in cartoons and video games and all sorts of good stuff. She's probably the most well-known female voice actor. Well, I just so. from Mass Effect or in general? Tons oh, of stuff. Before that, like the old, uh, I guess, PlayStation 1 uh, first Metal Gear Solid game oh. was really cool. Is she she's in, in that? that Tales. Yeah, she's uh, Naomi. Uh, doctor, Every, yeah. that's just like a game where everyone talks to you over the radio. Yeah, so yeah. Left room for some really good know. voice acting. She's yeah. in the new Ratchet and Clank game as like the main character. Oh, cool! Uh, mm. well, yeah, she was in super you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender. She oh, she just right. pops up everywhere. Well, and with good reason because she brought a lot of life into the character, which I think the male character, like the male actor, did. To a point. I liked him, but, like, again, I liked him because he was the path to more immersion where I was like, I am the boy, Shepard. Boy, boy. <laughs> this is my boy, yeah. What I did That's like I about him is that he sounds one type of way, and it's like a military dad, and yeah. all of my characters were, like, skeezy, weird, old <laughs> butlers, like, sinister yeah. butlers. You can really age him up, and it's like... Tom, why? I don't know. <laughs> what was your... Why did you, why do you connect with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I this is my don't truest know. form. Yeah. It like it, maybe it made it easier to pick the the bad guy options, the renegade options, because you know, I wanted to. But then, like, we'll talk about this later. But yeah. like, Shepard's like a weird guy when he's a renegade. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a super creep. He's a super. He's creep. pretty extreme. Uh, yeah, we can, we can get to that later. But for now, why don't we do like. <laughs> Butlers, <laughs> why don't we do the story? Ooh. Uh, how would you put it, Dan? Do you want to take it I, away? Yeah, I just brushed up on all this again. And uh, so the conceit is that in the 22nd century, humanity discovered that the biggest not quite moon of Pluto, uh, Charon, shout out to the fairy man, nice. uh, was <laughs> secretly a frozen space relay made by an ancient race of things from 50,000 years ago that turns out to be a network so you can travel faster than light to all the corners of the galaxy through this relay system. They do that. They find out, hey, there's aliens everywhere. They all have a centralized uh, government on this other piece of alien tech called the Citadel, this huge, like, almost moon-sized space station that is like a thriving Star Wars city. And uh, humanity leaps and bounds into the future with all these new alien technologies and stuff. There's all sorts of, like, real questions of racism because there are literal different races now. And the story takes place after humanity has this sort of uncomfortable uh, place in the galaxy is. Yeah. Ambitious folk looking for more political power. Yeah, we're the underdog. We're the scrappy upster. 
Yeah, that's how everyone wants to see. The like broad strokes are the Asari are the space elves who live thousands of years and mm-hmm. uh, a thousand Super years. Sexy. Sexy to Super everyone. Super sexy. Every race thinks they're sexy. They got weird jellyfish pheromones that trick you into thinking they're babes. Babes. What if we uh, zoomed in and just I did know, it from Shepard as we go? Like, yeah. yeah. So you start the game when you yeah, when you when you start the game, the original Mass Effect, you are uh, you build a character and you can choose from like three different backgrounds if you lived on like a space station or if you're from earth or if you like survived a horrible nightmare holocaust or yep. something slaver raid in space yeah <laughs> yeah uh and you are now like a high-ranking military officer and you're on like a special mission because you're pretty good at your, your shit. special forces earth soldier in a special new ship that's like a joint uh human and turian thing yeah and you might be they might God, want you the for the first uh, human specter, which are like the Jedi of the galaxy. They are the like independent super detectives. I guess it is. It's more just this like Coder, political again. authority. I, I wouldn't call them Jedi. Yeah. You're sort of James Bond. James yeah. Bonds. It's James like Bonds. from whatever thing. But yeah, like they're not magic, but there is magic in the universe. But yeah, so there is magic. Much, <laughs> You're um, just given carte blanche to like basically go do whatever you want in the name of a vague justice. That's yeah, right. exactly. With no oversight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that's why it's interesting. It's sort of like Star Wars, where like the only cool villains are bad Jedi. So you've got this bad Spectre that mm-hmm. you don't know his motives for, but you find an alien device that you think is going to push humanity forward another couple thousands of yeah. years. Oh, ancient new alien technology device. from old aliens. Yeah, ancient device. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives Shepard a crazy vision when he touches it. He sees these, or they see this fleeting series of images of like machines destroying organic life. And you're like, well, that's weird. And it turns out <laughs> this is a <laughs> part of a huge galactic cycle spanning millions of years where spooky, eldritch uh, thinking space machines uh, just show up every 50,000 years to cull all advanced life and then they disappear back into dark space and let the next uh species evolve find the mass relays and develop their own civilization they call that the cycle it's happened a bajillion times (laughs) and Shepard has no idea (laughs) what it is just there to shoot stuff so essentially we have like a narrative where our character has like risen to the top of the earth military basically like cream of the crop and so is given special opportunity to do, like, a weird thing, and mm-hmm. then is sort of uh, thrust into, like, a chosen one position by being given, like, divine Visions, information yeah. and guidance about this problem that nobody else acknowledges. And now he's... Yeah, it sort of makes you into, like, a prophet of doom, because you have yeah. seen the idea that, yeah. like, oh, the galaxy's gonna end. Yeah, he has... And Shepard spends she- the rest of the, yeah, series just yelling at everyone, listen to me! Because they're they coming. Yeah. Okay, so before I keep going, let's just refer to him as he for the time. But you can be female or male Shep. So like that's kind of the the choice you make in the and they're different voice actors. Anyway, it is sure. a good point. It, he, it, it's so true. Uh, Fem Shep has like a much more interesting following on the internet. It seems more beloved generally. Mm. Well, it's more thought out too. Yeah, but, and I only played Fem Shep in one of my playthroughs, and I've probably played like, five Mass Effect playthroughs between the three games. Because mm. you love that um, old butler trope. Yeah, <laughs> I like making weird butlers. 
But you're right that that does make my default language him. And when I think about Mass Effect, I think about like the bald dude, bald army dude on bald the box art. Yep. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's definitely a military story, which uh, I don't know, yeah. it grates on me more and more. It's, it's true. Like one of the saving graces for the sequel that didn't take off is that it was more science exploration based and mm-hmm. not like we're the military. This is a secret war. You gotta shoot space zombies. Hoorah. Yeah, I sure yeah. don't like to buy into that part, but I feel like they do it at least a little bit more tastefully than what the actual army does. At some oh, moments. Yeah. They it's do still both. better than like Halo, I think. Yeah. It's a fair thing where it's just like, I just need a gun. That's diplomacy. And here's a flag. Yeah. Well, you may be misrepresenting Halo. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Then there are space gorillas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's essentially what happens. In fact, my <laughs> I'm not yeah. an ex boy. I don't. I didn't, <laughs> I've only played them at friends' houses. So, who knows? We're just soft, open-minded Nintendo boys over yeah, here. Smooth brain Nintendo fans. <laughs> 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 he jumping, I'm happy. Okay, well, that's our intro. That's good. <laughs> that was pretty solid. It was. Mario take damage in the Mario 64 sound clip. God, I love it. So, anyway, we'll get to Fem Shep later. But, like, uh, he has no proof about what he saw. He has no, no proof. Everyone's what he like, saw you had a bad vision. dream. And he's like, and but I saw a bunch of people getting killed by robots. And they're like, shut up. That's stupid. You're dumb. He's get Joseph. He's Joseph of the dream coat. Oh, oh excellent. Oh, why didn't I make my shepherd look like Donny Osmond? That would have been so much more fun. <laughs> That's so stupid. It is kind of the narrative, though, because he's going to now go around, like, proving his value yeah. as a strong, powerful ally and hero and his vision's veracity to, like, important people. That's basically uh, what Joseph does. Yeah, and you can customize all the colors of your Technicolor Dream Space armor. That's right. So part of what makes this game cool, I think, is how it approaches Lovecraftian themes. Like, it really gets sort of space eldritch horror right in some very specific parts and then ignores it entirely later. Yeah. Uh, where, like, the third one just feels like a, I don't know, like, really gratuitous, glamorizing war movie kind of thing. It does. You make a good point where it gets to, because, like, seeing these things develop over the first and second game of, like, oh, my God, these people are being turned into, they're being harvested and turned into these creatures for, like, battle pawns, basically. And they were, like, colonists and civilians, and then it's happening to other alien races. So then you start seeing like what the Protheans were turned into, which are the collectors and stuff like that. So it's pretty horrifying. And then it gets to the third one. It's like, everybody's space goo. Oh, now you got to shoot them. They were people, but who cares now? Yeah, so don't like, think about it. Yeah, It definitely it. becomes this very apocalyptic epic yeah. story. Like, I, I guess it is from the start, but uh, it does a good job of, like, pacing its narrative through the three games, I think. Mm-hmm. In terms of the first one, you being can make like, an argument for it. Yeah, yeah. The fr- just in terms of the first one being about you and Saren, like your knowledge and your truth, and trying to stop Saren, who's like trying to incite this apocalypse. Yeah, he's not um, the source of all evil, but he is your personal or like personified enemy. Uh, and I who heard, has, is he? Yeah, sorry. Is he? Is he like 
enslaved by Sovereign? Yeah. Or is, yes. Okay. So yeah. that's what I was winding up to, is the cool thing that makes these, uh, they're called Reapers, or they're referred to as Reapers. Daddy they're does. too old for names. They uh, <laughs> emit a Dick. field or a signal uh, that they use the term indoctrinates anyone that listens to it over time. So it's this subtle gnawing at your consciousness until you don't understand that you've become enslaved and are only acting in the Reaper's interests. Yeah, a fascinating tool for the story of like, yeah. okay, we can't tell if they're fully gone. Like there might be some humanity or the, the alien equivalent it's kind of like um, the ring in the Lord of the Rings movies, you know? Like you don't really know how much it's t- gripping at your heart mm. until you freak out and attack some hobbits. That's a True. great metaphor. That's like, yeah. Yeah, it, exactly like, you know, at its best, this game is comparable to that kind of stuff. Uh, like, the impetus for this game also is that, like, in that cycle we referred to, there's, like, one Reaper stays behind, out of sight, just watching civilizations develop. And once they get to a certain point that is, you know, programmed to tell them they're ready to harvest, they flip a switch. The citadel that has become the seat of government for all the sentient races becomes a secret portal. All the Reapers are immediately teleported right to the middle of everyone's government, and they just begin the, like, hundred-year process of eliminating Mm -hmm. all life. Yeah. Uh, We're not sure why, but that signal didn't go through this time, so the one Reaper that is left has started exerting his influence on aliens. It's the reason the Rachni Wars happened, (laughs) which are just more deep lore into the Mass Effect game. Mm -hmm. And then eventually what pulls this other specter, like what Shepard becomes, into being his, you know, 006 traitor to the MI6 bad James Bond. Yeah. That's going to, you know... With the intention of, like, showing that no Reapers look, organics are great, you should keep us as slaves. Uh, Yeah, it's not great reasoning, but he's also been turned insane, so maybe you can forgive him a bit. But anyway, he's working towards uh, essentially opening the door for these machines to come end society. And Shepard is going to stop him because he's seen the visions of what that looks like and decides, hey, galactic genocide is bad. And the interesting thing is Saren thinks that he's doing the right thing by getting on the Reaper's side, or that's what he convinces himself, right? And it's a knockdown of like, I'm ahead of the game. I'm going to make sure that some people survive this. Exactly. He says, is subservience not better than extinction? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's some really cool lines here. Uh, Like in the one section where you actually get to touch not touch. He says, you touch my mind, you fumbling creatures of blood and flesh. You know not what you comprehend when you <laughs> shepherd gets to talk to sovereign directly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. You got such a cool, deep robot voice. Oh yeah. You um, would have made a great reaper, Dan, if you wanted to. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Career goals. The Lovecraftian vibe is popular, but also rad. So, and they pull it off kind of with that. Right, um, like, uh, it's stronger in the first game. I agree. Because mm-hmm. by the time you get to three, threat. yeah, there's just, like, literally machines shooting at you. It's sort of yeah. harder to be scared of them. It's just sort of yeah. big, weird ships that you fight with your ships, and it's like, yeah, that's not very interesting. Nah. Yeah, especially when you can start to defeat them. It's like, well, that's not the point. They're supposed yeah. to be undefeatable and mysterious and crazy. And yeah. now they just, like, ooh, shooty. 
There's Thank also you. some fun plot holes we could point out later too. Like, yeah, not that we'll we've, have to you do know, that. given enough of the plot to explain why the holes are interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth going yeah. into that amount of detail because it would also be worth maybe like so through that experience of Mass Effect. That's the plot of Mass Effect One: military mm-hmm. guy visions stops stop the apocalypse. The guy who's trying to start the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, which is also a very Final Fantasy story. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I digress. So, like, you experienced this as a player. Should we do this now? Does this make sense to do now? Or yeah, because, like, the reason we probably want to start talking about video games is, like, this interesting part of the medium is you get to really personally experience it. That's or at right. least get the illusion of that more than, you know, reading about a character. Yeah. You are the character. So I, that, I certainly get more attached that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's 100% worth, like... Uh, I don't know, putting an exclamation point on because uh, (laughs) reading the story of Mass Effect is you have decisions to make. And they they advertise this game as like, not only are you going to experience this epic story, but you will determine its outcome, which is varying degrees of true. But (laughs) the game did a very good job immediately to new players like myself included of making you feel like these conversations and choices you were making and things you were doing and things you were saying were affecting the very vivid and good-looking characters and world around you. And that was, like, Mm, a powerful effect in 2007. A mass effect, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Spit take. (laughs) Microphone's ruined. Uh, I was going to say, but, yeah... Regardless of how much they succeeded or failed at giving choice in the game and making it feel real and weighty, uh, it's a commercial prospect, too, of, like, this $90 video game, you can play once, but you won't see all the content, right? Like, it's encouraging you to go back and get deeper into it. And it worked. Man alive. Uh, the interesting part of this is, like, the morality behind it of the choices you make of, like, Paragon or Renegade. Am I going to mm-hmm. do something by the book and for the greater good? Am I going to do something more selfish and with more self-interest in mind? Or just or, yeah, evil? Like more direct, <laughs> but more consequences or Sometimes collateral damage. Yeah. yeah, evil or just, like, completely destructive. Like Oh, yeah, sometimes just mind-bogglingly sadistic. <laughs> You're like, that didn't, I don't, I don't know if I would have done that. Yeah. I feel like there was a, a gradient of choices in that some of the evil choices, if you were doing a renegade playthrough, were like, okay, that's kind of dickish. Or like, mm-hmm. I am a racist piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> in Mass Effect 2, they added a quick time event kind of element where mm-hmm. during like a conversation with someone, a like Mark would appear on the screen and be like, press this button for a dynamic option, either Paragon or Renegade. Like you would choose, you want to hit the red one or the blue one. Mm -hmm. And like they, a lot of them were just explosively violent. (laughs) Like stick an electric wrench in a man and listen to him scream and die. (laughs) Kick a dude out of a skyscraper. Yeah. But it was good RPG design because it kept you in the moment and it felt like the conversation was moving forward, whether you wanted to participate or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it really it's, it's, does demand your attention in a like otherwise not gameplay moment. I'd like to before we go too much further. I really want to talk about the technical aspect of this dialogue wheel. Fantastic, and about yes, this game. cool. Like yeah. because like so it's it's really consistent RPG design from like you know the '90s and Baldur's Gate and stuff onward. Torment, like we were talking about, Kotor, which was made mm-hmm. by these same people. Um, yep. To have 
simulated conversations where you make choices, and that sounds really straightforward, right? Like you would Mm -hmm. give the player the choices, like a preview of the choices, and they pick one. But the wheel was amazing. Like mm-hmm. the and that innovated here in Mass Effect specifically. Like even in Kotor, they didn't have the oh, dialogue wheel, then, right? No, nope, it was, it was just, just options that you had to scroll down through. It felt much more like the old melt wizard kind of yes. text-based adventures. Yeah, having them all displayed at the same time of like these are my choices right now felt like uh, a lot more potential and a lot more effect on the choices going forward. It did a lot of work for the player by using similar tones in similar positions on the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you would always know, like, if I go to the left, it's usually going to give me more background information through a, through a list. If I go top right, um, it's more of a good guy move. And if I go bottom right, it's more of like a dick gets what he wants move, yeah. or gets shit done move. And then middle is neutral, roughly. Because it was not always clear in the way things were worded. So that was I a agree. good move. Reading comprehension is a dying art. <laughs> well, and, and so it's, a, it's an interesting question for RPG design because it's like we want our conversations to have a lot of nuance and detail, but we can't convey that in the option to choose to proceed in the conversation because it's like our characters are giving multi-sentence responses and this mm-hmm. needs to fit here in a spot where the player can click it. Like it needs to be to summarize that information, right? Like it's hard. Yeah, that's all I'm saying so. And that's what creates those moments of frustration where it's like, oh, I didn't want to do something like that. Like, fuck you. My character overreacted based on what I wanted to pick. Exactly. That didn't go how I assumed it was going to with the information you gave me. And now Mm -hmm. I am removed. I have lost immersion. But so the wheel, while it didn't, nothing would ever perfectly solve that problem for every potential player. But the wheel like really did create a shorthand that made it move more briskly and like an understanding of what you were going for through just like simple movement and clicking to proceed. Like, yeah, it's, it's a really sophisticated system for was. what it <laughs> had to accomplish. It had to, it was. And when you consider yeah. linking all the different uh, choices between three games over like seven years or whatever <laughs> it was, uh, like it's a fascinating look at the script in like the dev stuff of it, where it's all these branching uh, dialogue bubbles and sections and like how you learn about all the different races in the, in the game or how you learn about the different technologies that are used or the yeah. individual characters' backgrounds are all tied up in this intricate web. Who you yeah. even have talked to. Like yeah. it, there are characters you could have potentially missed in some of the yeah. games if you weren't at a specific area at a specific time. Like who's that guy who's like your biggest fan? Conrad Werner. Conrad Werner. You can miss him, but <laughs> yep. I think he still appears in the second game. But no, nope. you won't. Not if you don't well, there you uh, go. address him in the first one. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's like another weird thing about this game was I played it on a different system when the second one came out, so there was no way to carry my decisions forward. They had right. to like go back and sort of shift it. They wrote a comic book that you can interact mm-hmm. with and sort of set up like, oh, here's what you chose in Mass Effect One to put yeah. the world where you want it in two. And even then, you miss out on all the little like side missions because this is a huge sprawling game where it has sort of that Dungeons and Dragons vibe of like, exactly. here's a planet, there's going to be yeah. new intrigue on this one. And like, who knows what <laughs> adventures you might have? Who knows how long you'll be in that car? Yeah. In that oh. stupid flippy car. We <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about the Mako. The Mako. The Mako. Yeah. Yeah. The perfect Damn, killing machine. Mako me crazy. <laughs> there's your intro but so this ended up being the part of the game that people felt the most like ownership and like love 
for was these choices, like your mm-hmm. individual unique experience. Um, like people were sold on it through Mass Effect one and two, and even if three disappointed people with the way it ended, like the way that they integrated world building and background writing and character conversation created like I don't know what I'm doing by by focusing on this. I just want to it it was huge. It was one of the most meaningful RPG experiences for the mainstream video yes. like the new mainstream video game audience that had appeared since like early 2000s Yeah. Well like consider how hard it is for like to get an entire demographic to read a specific book. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like everyone read this essentially. Yeah. So it really became a, cult- a cultural touchstone in this genre. I just wanted to establish how formative this game was for so many people in, like, the comic and video game and TV and whatever community. Yeah. Like, the broader community of the world. And so, like, that's going to make the little stuff that we focus on later, I'm sure. Like, individual stories within this game and portrayals and stuff like that. and. Yeah, the attitude of the developers like it really is important. This is a this is the the structural material for like the people who are younger than us who are making like the video games of today or writing movies and stuff. Video games are still new enough that like you can question what is a video game like that answer (laughs) is different for everyone. And like, what do you go to them for? It's becoming a more, you know, there's a lot of different answers now as this field gets bigger and more people participate in it. You talk to anyone who played Mass Effect, especially, yeah, in their youth, and it's such a unique perspective every time because everyone had their own unique playthrough and experience. It's yeah, sort of never their own be the canonical same. version of what happened yeah. in the story. And that's why the movies and books feel so weird because it's yeah, like, it that's is. not what I did. That's not it what I did. It carries a sense of authenticity for each person. Like, it really yeah. sells you. Like, the world does feel big enough and, like, the it, consistent enough. One thing that really impresses me about it is that, like, you can sort of boil the plot down to some specific big choices of, like, do you, you know, save this space president or not? Uh, But, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, it also had these implicit choices where it's like, well, I want to spend time with these aliens that I think are cool. So I will take them with me on my missions on, like, my away team in Star Trek parlance. And, like, you'd get different dialogue or they'd reveal a little bit about themselves. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is, oh, that's delicious. Give me these little nuggets of background information or like fill out the universe this way in between having adventures with my space friends. That's why so much of the game for me was just walking around with my guys or like walking around the, the ship itself, just trying to talk to them as much as possible. And I think that's where the third game really actually excelled because they added so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Characters like move around the ship and aren't just programmed in one spot. They have their own independent schedules kind of. Yeah. The conversations just overhearing them between two different characters is delicious. The secret romances of like Tally and Garrus. It's actually kind of crazy that we didn't emphasize this specifically until now, because that's so true. The, the, your squad mates, your, like, chosen family as the games yeah, play out, your like, is D&D that. party. They're your housemates. They're your, like, brothers and sisters. And they're your, like, secret girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Like, yep. And they're fleshed out in a way that everybody loves. Like, it's way better than the plot. Just the it's time character to talk about yeah. the, the, the dating family. sim aspect. The dating it's, sim! The d- Everyone Tom. loves it! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, we've been talking about it for a while now, like, 
part of the huge success about this is it's such a mainstream like way where no one has to admit they played this weird alien waifu simulator. That's, That's right. right. But it's like that was a huge selling point that no one ever had to talk about. People except were obsessed Fox with News. It. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know how to like romance a specific person. Probably they would go through like the game notes to see the best yeah. way. And Dis- I did that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the a, most satisfying look up a walkthrough. Thing. Yeah. yeah. A character tells you, I love steamed buns. And then nine <laughs> gameplay hours later, yeah. ask you if you want to get them food. And you have like a choice of buns or cookies. Choose buns, <laughs> character blushes on screen. That's video games, baby. Oh. What a feeling. Yeah, that's true romance. I, I was obsessed with Liara. Obviously, she's my girl. Sure. She's my forever girl. And like any time there was like a cute romantic uh, of like, will they, won't they? I would literally scream because they did it so well. They understood romance and the titillation. Mm. Well, they won't they? Yeah, it's and not explicit. It's not gross. It's about characters like connecting to each other. And yeah. holy crap, taking is that those fun. chances, having fun, like getting to know them. It was it, it, they did a really good job. Like, and I buy it because I love Liara. She's I like I felt myself falling in love with Liara. I fell in love with Liara. <laughs> She's yep. so open and compassionate, yeah, even in her nerd. relentless pursuit of science. <laughs> and space archaeology. She's exactly me, you guys. <laughs> uh, oh another God. like thing on the production side is I, like there were these articles coming out as the second game had been released. Being like, we didn't know people would want to romance aliens. So in this game, you can romance <laughs> all the aliens. You're welcome. <laughs> like we never even considered. The fact of the matter is they had... No idea how many girls would be obsessed with the scary alien, the scary pointy alien bird. Mm-hmm. But we loved him because they gave him like a low, weird, sexy voice of like. He's the I, ultimate like buddy cop straight man. Also, yeah. like while you're having this power fantasy, your like best cool bro nerd. is also like. I looked up the you know space alien equivalent of uh, sense and sensibility. And he like asks you out on a date and like does the scene from the movie. Oh, it's wild. The in-universe movie. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about Garrus or Thane? I am. And I'm talking about Fleet and Flotilla, the, like canonical <laughs> romance movie Fleet between Quarians and Turians. That's yeah. right. So oh much God. writing goes into these games. It's I love huge. the people that build these little details from the ground up. But anyway, that like, yeah. What a, what a beautiful little character moment. And it's such a triumph of the medium where it's like, oh, man, every way I want to decide to spend my time in this game, I am getting deeper into it. There is more here Mm -hmm. to learn and enjoy the connections of. And the most like commercially successful parts of these games are the DLC where you just have a party with all your friends. That's Mm -hmm. right. That's what fans demanded after an ending that left everyone (laughs) unsatisfied. Bioware was like, we're sorry. (laughs) They changed the ending for you. We're having a party. And (laughs) threw you a party. Yeah. You can invite all your friends, choose if it wants to be a low-key thing or if we're all going to get drunk and dance. (laughs) It's it's perfect. It's such a treat knowing that you're coming up on the end of this trilogy and that it's going to get heavy very soon. You like get to pick a friend to go to a sushi restaurant with, and you know it's a dance party. Yay. Tally's uncomfortable with the sexual talk that's happening, so she's just gonna eat this cheese. Oh no, it's human cheese. Now she's sick, and Grunt's oh, no. throwing up in the shower. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, oh, like it was made from human milk in the shower. <laughs> Probably. Uh, space is nasty. 
Damn. His face is nasty. No, they have different DNA. They can't eat human foods. You That's know right. This. Yeah. Everyone knows this. I do. <laughs> Uh, and like, just yeah, fair point. I like have Mass Effect hoodies. I have a yep. portrait that Sarah yep. painted me in the Mass Effect armor. Garris doll. Yeah, like I am a Mass Effect stan before that word existed. Right. I think I okay. have a Garris doll somewhere too. It's just easy to love. It's yep. easy to love this game. Uh, it's hard. Tom and your wife and I watched a couple of romantic comedies last time I was over. Or the time before that, Hell and. Yeah. None of them make me squeal the way that Mass Effect does. This is a very specific thing that I, as a woman, will admit to. Like, some romantic comedies can make you do that, like, ah! like the giddiness of, like, I can't handle <laughs> yeah. this romance. I have to scream it out. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. Mass Effect accomplished that way better than, um, oh, my God, what were they again? Devil Wears Prada? That doesn't count. Oh, nice. As successful as Kate and Leopold. <laughs> oh, that's a good get. Yep. You got Breck and Meyer in the mix. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, leave Schreiber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lieb. That's the that's the next episode spoiler. We're gonna oh. pull oh. Team's Heroes Journey. <laughs> oh god. Oh, I can't oh. Um but yeah, there I think the writing deserves some credit there because like it you know what maybe it was just being immersed into it and being able to choose the options, having some effect on how I reacted. But like, it's, it's a great story romantically it, and the friendships you build, like it really makes you feel part of this crew. So credit where credit is due. And yeah. it's that good of a story while feeling like you have the option of whether to make it happen or not. Well, you, you do, you do have that. Option. It is. Cause it's kind of two stories and like, we're not going to get to the beat by beat plot points of all three of these video games that you can right. sort of do two different ways. But yeah. if you look at them as a whole, it's pretty interesting where like Paragon Shepard comes through a ton of adversity with like love support and allies and renegade shepherd burns every bridge and kind of goes nuts in a desperate attempt to just like stop the reapers at all costs getting the job done exactly loses so much on the way and is like directly responsible for the deaths of many crew members so Mm -hmm. it is not for the faint of heart to like go through that way dude that makes it sound like fable three which yeah I really, yeah, I like wrote a paper after I beat Fable 3 just being like, how do I feel about this? <laughs> yeah, dude, <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. I don't care what people say. It was good. Yeah. It had its moments. It had a lot of moments. Exactly. Anyway. It, did, it didn't succeed as well as Mass Effect did, but it, you know, it drew people in and was another example of a cool narrative in video games. Is I, that what yeah, we're doing? I apologize yeah. for that digression. No, nah, it's real rules. That had Stephen Fry in it. It seems like we could take this conversation that's just finishing off about how good the relationships are and talk mm-hmm. about the fact that, you know, they are also adult relationships. We, we were saying romances and like just I want to talk about the scandal. I'm sorry. I just want yeah, to talk about the scandal. Bring it. Let's do, do scandals. It, it'll, it'll be a good bridge into Mass Effect 2, actually, because this happened. Go. So so Mass Effect 1 came out in 2007 and then like towards the end of 2007, Fox News like found out about it mm-hmm. and they... So the the headline that ran for like weeks or whatever was sex box question mark new video game shows full digital nudity and sex. 
Uh, Gay sex. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they would talk about how it was, you know, like liberals corrupting people because you could like be gay. Oh, they do uh, that. And it, show, it was just like hardcore porn to show like the degradation of culture. Yeah. Which is not true. There are optional romance scenes if you have those relationships like go really far and intimate with a crew member. But it's like a, you know. It's like a PG-13 kind of romance Maybe sequence. even PG. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it infers a lot more than it explicitly shows. Yeah. Um, and so it was like the least good faith thing that anyone had seen up to that point. That's not even true at all. It was just another bad faith thing. It, it, yeah. yeah, they're right for, you know, opportunities for moral panic because God. it's a new thing that we didn't have in my day. So it must be new and scary. They didn't yeah. care at all about the amount of times you shoot people in the head. In no, this they game. they'd love it. People they who aren't even it. human. But the Fox second you refer to a tit, the second that you allude that people might have vaginas, like, no way, Jose! <laughs> so, Get it out of here! <laughs> this, this came out in 2007 during the development of Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect had been, like, a huge uh, pitch, like, at risk for the Bioware and EA. Hmm. And it was a runaway success. And planned as a trilogy, so like Mass Effect Two is getting more resources, and there was like a lot of momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. Everyone adored Mass Effect One critically and mm-hmm. just in terms of sales. But then this shit came out, and people came like I don't know if it was EA executives or just Bioware covering their own butts, and they were like, "We gotta, we gotta conservative this up a bit." <laughs> and so they had written Jack, a crew member in Mass Effect Two, as being mm-hmm. Pan. And, oh, yeah. and then they were like, delete it. And they made it so she couldn't be gay. Uh, Is that she what was yeah, she gay. couldn't have she a romance with bi. a female shepherd. She could wow. only do that with a male shepherd. Wow. So there was all this extra content and stuff written and probably not finished up in game, but like, you know, proceeding about mm. uh, the character. And like that really would have fit with her character, absolutely. I, I don't don't. Remember it kind of does. She sort of alludes to a previous relationship with two people. Yeah. So like, there's yeah, but it doesn't come up for any like gameplay or thing that Shepard is around for. That blows. That so blows. it just it it did blow, and it it, it it but it like it did also demonstrate how crazy mainstream this yeah. game was. And yeah. so then like the attempts to please everybody began, I guess. Cause it's also a lack of faith in your own material because since yeah. the first game, there have been the Asari who are the blue space elves that they're born uh, to like canonically. Yeah. They, they mix their DNA by having a psychic link with any race. So and they're only they one talk gender. about it. Yeah. They're monogendered. So monogendered. Yeah, exactly. What you can romance them as male or female shepherds. And it's like, well, yeah, cause it's a lot more, uh, psycho psychotropic, like the, sex with it is sorry is not you know they don't two see different it as ends gay of an electrical straight. outlet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is not dependent on biology. They just are. <laughs> yeah, the big lizard uh, dinosaur warriors find them just as attractive as the tiny amphibian boys. That's right. And Everyone yeah. finds them hot, hot AF. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that this is like Avatar. They just it's love it, yeah. You plug your tails into their tentacles, and it, it's the whole thing. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Oh, I had no idea. It's a literal metaphor. 
I'm going to talk about one of my favorite bits, and it's an overheard bachelor party with coworkers right. that are humans, <laughs> Solarians, and Turians, and I there is an Asari dancer. Until it ran through twice. Because I love it because Shepard's like this big creep, <laughs> just like mouth breathing over everybody, <laughs> hearing their details of their life as the story is told around them. And they're like, hey, why do you like Asari? They look like us. They're like, no, they look like us. And if you deep uh, dive into the like codexes, it's like, no, they, the Asari, we only see them look like babes because we're looking at them with human eyes. <laughs> so we see human traits in what are otherwise like six foot jellyfish creatures. So what do they actually look like objectively? Do they look like... I think they're blue. Do they actually look like that, or are we, like, imagining everything? Like, is this a figment of our imagination, essentially? Like, There's probably supplementary content about this, like a book somewhere I haven't read. Because, like, we see art of them. I think, you know, they canonically have bipeds and hands. Yeah, they use the same technology that people do. Everyone still uses a keyboard, even yeah. the dinosaurs with tiny little T-Rex arms. So, so yeah, they probably... Know. This is too hard. This hurts my head. I don't know. Yeah, to, it's, I don't know. Again, a cool thing about sci-fi is you don't have to get explicit. You can just think about it or leave it a little ambiguous. Do they have titties or not? Is they have they titties. Where are or, the No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> Can't Hello, even big agree booba. on that much. <laughs> Hello, blue boob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so that makes sense. All right. Yeah. And, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of a chicken shit move of them to not make Jack buy. And not make tally by, but I guess not everyone can be by in space. It's only like 200 years in the future, so. Well, and Bioware, like, I don't want to give too many things to their credit, but they had another franchise similar to this in gameplay, but in a mm. fantasy setting, uh, right. Dragon Age. And in the Dragon Age that came after these Mass Effects happened, they got a lot of flack for including a character that is a man that hits on the main character regardless. Yeah. So, you know, like, conservative freaks got up in arms so quickly being like you can't have a gay man talk to me talk to me (laughs) it's fucking wild and they're like well no it's not like we expect everyone to be gay or not gay we just think it's weird when all of our video game romances depend entirely on the player doing 100% of the thing Yeah. So, like, they've made some attempts in different directions to please other people and like they're just, they're, you know they can't be objectively done well, I don't think. I have to say, why does the right have to be such nerds about everything? <laughs> Total dweebs. Well, it's that thing where you make fun of people for the traits that you're the like most self-conscious of having. So they are the most snowflakey goddamn snowflakes ever. Just the existence of other ways of life gets them outraged. <laughs> I think it's a funny complaint to have about an open world game that promises organic experiences. There's a game? (laughs) They're like, it is not. They're like, it is not a big old world out there. There are not lots of different things waiting for me. (laughs) This fantasy world was also created by Jesus who said this is not allowed. (laughs) Well, well, there you have it. Uh, Yeah, solved. I'd be happy to talk to you about the other side of Shepard. Are you ready? Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. So, unfortunately, a ton of the players did not realize that you can be a female Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the game allows you to either pick between male or female. Or, I hate saying the word female. It makes me feel like a nerd. Females. Yeah, female. Uh, you can be a woman. You can be a woman version of Shepard. Uh, and 
the amazing part of this game is that it actually didn't change too much of the story. Uh, like we mentioned, a couple of the characters weren't able to romance you because they weren't gay because they're cowards. And, uh, Th that would change a couple of those dynamics. Like uh, you would be just friends instead, or uh, there were a couple very small instances where uh, the dialogue would change. Uh, like some sexist prick at a bar would be like, Hey baby, have a tell me you give me a lap dance. And you have the option of like shooting him in the face, which is, <laughs> which is there if you want, or you can Amazing. just be like, I'm going to kill you ding dong. And then <laughs> let you, why I oughta? Why you are you oughta? Sorry, to back up, can you actually shoot that guy? I remember that guy. You That's can like shoot near him. the beginning of my I think you like one. shoot him in the foot or something. Uh Harkin, I think, is the first one that it does. It is Harkin. Yeah. Yeah. He oh, he yeah. gets shot in the next game. He is still kind of a tool regardless of your actions <laughs> in the first one. I was thinking <laughs> of the Batarian. The Batarian in the second one when you're trying yeah. to join the Blue Suns to go I think on a mission just to get Garrus. Him. Yeah, you and then he him? starts treating you like a soldier afterwards. He's like, oh, okay, right. you will murder me. That's fine. But uh, th most of the game changes practically nothing. So because of that, this is absolutely a power fantasy for women playing this game. <laughs> it's yeah. unfortunately very rare for a game to not go over and over and over if it's a female character. Like, wow, she's the first female character to do anything that a boy can do. Wow. She thought to do that, and she did it. It just like the term Mary Sue gets thrown around anytime a female character has any ability whatsoever. Hate it so much. Yep. Worst it's, phrase ever. It's the worst phrase yeah. in the history of phrases. I can scream because, <laughs> like, always in these games, it's like it's supposed to be this magical, incredible person. And when it's a guy, everyone's like, yeah, of course, it's a guy. He's just magical. But it's a woman. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. is overpowered. She's ridiculous. <laughs> How could a woman ever be this talented? Ever. Mm -hmm. So the, my, my argument is that, yeah, it's a, it's a female power fantasy because this never happens. Yeah. So the, the ability to actually play out the entire game as a competent warrior uh, being able to make these romances have authority over your crew and never have that questioned. Never once was there a line of like, well, I don't want to work with a female commander. I think uh, the guy Freddie Prince Jr. plays uh, Vega at one point is like, I'm going to call you Lola. And as a paragon, you could be like, all right. And as a renegade, you're like, you shut the fuck up. You call me commander, <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You shut the fuck up right now. And, uh, it was it was amazing to not have to question that the entire time I played a game. So many of the, the obviously this passes the Bechdel test of like most of the conversations aren't related to some man uh, in any romantic fashion or otherwise. It was just you have a job to do. You're completely competent. You're magical. You can like shoot people and do magic out of your fingers. Go <laughs> forth and defeat the game. Yeah, save Win the, world. the game. So uh, the second side of this is that people actually really gravitated towards the female shepherd because of, like we said, Jennifer Hale, the voice actress. So she brought a whammy to this character. Uh, I really identified with the female shepherd because obviously yeah. I like that perspective, but she had a lot of gravitas, a lot of grit. emotion, uh, a lot of grit. Uh, a lot. Uh, in the Paragon version, she's incredibly emotional and sensitive. She has these uh, friendships that seem really authentic. 
and uh, gives a lot. And as the renegade, she is terrifying. <laughs> she is sadistic. Yep. She's fucking Unstoppable. psycho. Unstoppable. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like incredibly believable performance uh, that really immersed you. I found that playing as the male shepherd, which I did a couple times, it was a little dry. It kind of felt like a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) At least with the renegade decisions, it's like he has no emotion in these decisions. He's just like making them, I guess. And that's fine. And for the female shepherd, I felt like more anger behind like the the renegade, like more of like a burning rage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so th- she was notably like really celebrated for this position. Yeah, for um, a job well done. Yeah, really well done. This isn't a bit. I just wanted to say that I think that the manship sounds like a dead-eyed automaton completely, and I think the manship default <laughs> with the shaved head looks like a dead-eyed automaton. Dude, have so you like, seen the model he's based on? He's got the yeah. crazy amount of space between his eyes that looks yeah. like a video game, <laughs> like Uncanny Valley character. It's wild uh, they yeah. chose him. I hope it's he's doing It's not even well. close. Yeah. Jennifer Hale is talented and dynamic as fuck, and this guy just sounds so, he's as fine. you said, deadpan emotionless. Yeah. To Mark yeah. Muir's credit, I want to just, like, boost his uh the like the fun part is the dialogue in the personal relationships like that mm-hmm. is where he actually has some emotion like there's cute charming flirting stuff that you yeah. know sounds like a performance as opposed to just exposition and plot stuff yeah uh, uh, it's it's not all good jennifer hale does it all better let me get that clear <laughs> but i still <laughs> played hundreds of hours with my boy mark Mir, so sure. i won't abandon him completely uh, I'll read you a couple of quotes that I found yeah. because a lot of people talked about this. Like the the difference between the two characters was really important. So like uh, the reason the female version of Shepard is so remarkable is due to the voice acting of Jennifer Hale, who elevates the character beyond the realm of superlatives. There are other reasons to play as Fem Shep, as fans affectionately call her. But if you miss the voice performance due to male insecurity or because male Shepard is the quick start option, which is a UX decision of mm-hmm. like, this is the standard be a True. guy because they made this character for guys when they were developing the game they made the female option assuming that it would be mostly men playing this game so they wanted to have options for them to do it wasn't thinking like there might be female people playing this game yeah, so they have all and the same animations and like physiological right. uh, like nuances are all just one guy's version of it and it's not like, I would say that Femshep's body design is just a, an athletic woman. Like, it doesn't seem impossible that a woman with that build would be a commander. Same as, like, male Shep is built like a muscular man. Yeah. Um, I will say that, like, the not guys that I've talked to who have played as... <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> the guys <laughs> I've talked to who have played as female Shepherd explicitly said they did so just to watch her butt. Like, Ooh. While they played. And it's like... It's not a flattering choice, and it is a choice I have literally made many times in video games. Yeah. Yep. So, like, fine. But at least they did it. The bar's real is what we're saying, yeah. (laughs) Like, at least they didn't give her big cartoon boobies like everyone else in the game. Like, Edie's design is ridiculous. I hate it. The big bazongas. The hoochah (laughs) bagoogas. I do like that everyone addresses it like, hey, it's weird that you have your sex uh, doll fly your ship. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. 
And it's like, oh, there's almost a cool like sci-fi thing there of like an AI program becoming self-aware. But it's like, well, no, we got to talk about why the computer wants big boobies. It's like, I feel like we missed some opportunities for some cooler shit there. But it's Trisha Halper. What body could you give her? I don't want to give Bioware any credit because, no. like, they did make these choices of, like, let's make her big boobies, stupid butt. but yep. And, like, <laughs> let's make everyone in the game, in the third game, have giant boobs for some reason. Like, they definitely boosted the boob size between game two and three. And yep. probably between one and two. Like Also true. Uh, and you they can chart it through Liara, that. like, one of the most uh, central characters to the plot, who is yeah. in all three games. Not they all definitely the boosted are, the yeah. boobs. Uh, they introduce Miranda, who literally has like forty gratuitous butt shots, where you can like literally almost see her butthole. Basically, yeah, like, Shepard is can... leering. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable making while she's like telling you about how she was genetically made to be yeah. objectified and succeed in a man's By world. By her dad, you're just like, like nice with your arms crossed, objectifying her. The so shot weird. of her butt. It's it's a shot of Shepard right neck from the perspective of Miranda's butt in yeah. spandex. Yeah, it's thing. like the graduate it's very or whatever famous. that was, it's right? Ex- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is almost a graduate shot, yeah. Right. Uh, there are some film nods. This isn't a great segue, but when you first find the Prothean beacon, the mm-hmm. landing area is uh, the same setup as where they find the monolith in 2001 Space oh, Odyssey. That's cool. interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm not like, done oh, talking really... about her. Shit! <laughs> Misandry! <laughs> Sorry, please. <laughs> There's one last quote that I thought was interesting. Um, her position of authority is no less solidly held, but it is unmistakably the authority of a competent and high-achieving woman, not that of a man. And yeah. that's crucial! Uh, this isn't a thing that people let people do. There's still a question of whether a woman could be president or prime minister. <laughs> like, this is... A fucked up situation that the world is still in. I can't believe I still have to talk about it. We're not on the same pier yet as much as people don't want to believe it. So, like, having a character where everything is the exact same, except she's a woman, and nothing changes, is huge. So, Bioware, congrats for doing the bare minimum, which was a... (laughs) You barely did by accident. (laughs) 80% of players played as male Shep. Like, that's including women, too. Like, I definitely did a male ship. Is that Mass Effect 1 or all three? It's all three. Mm. It's all three. Uh, 80%. So people don't want to play as Jennifer Hale. They don't want to play as Commander Shepard as a woman. That's fine. But as long as it exists, I'm happy. Yeah, (laughs) it's so much more than most other video games even have, right? Like... There are Mm -hmm. a genre of games that are like build your own avatar to enjoy this story with. Yeah. But very few of them address any like identity issues or the difference between men and women in whatever society they're in. There is one small part where it's different if you're a woman. And this is when you have rescued Eve, the Erdnot Bakara, the the female Krogan. And the storyline around that is like she is the only fertile Krogan that they can then cure the genophage with which was basically a giant um sterility plague sterility plague yeah exactly so they're trying to cure it during the third game they want krogan's to be able to have babies again instead of having them all die it's only like one in 1000 births make it to term well yeah Um, the others die in stillbirth it's extra horrifying sorry so like their numbers are dwindling and now with this massive war on they really need to cure the genophage so they found out that they can cure it with this uh 
Eve character. And after they've rescued her, Shepard, the female Shepard and Eve have a moment to talk. And uh, the quote basically is, uh, shortly after rescuing her from the clutches of dangerous scientists, she and female Shepard will share a touching conversation that connects their individual struggles. Upon recognizing Shepard as a woman, Eve will remark that she is glad to see that humans treat their women with respect and acknowledge that humans have put a lot of responsibility on Shepard. Shepard will respond with a sympathetic, no more than your people have put on you. And this moment of connection is an effective narrative device to acknowledge the struggles heroes outside of the game's main campaign and to make the Mass Effect galaxy seem truly alive. And like, yeah, it did. Because I didn't realize that that's not a conversation that the male Shepard has. It really is a moment to connect on that, like, huge responsibility that they have that kind of surrounds their gender. And this is just fascinating and a really touching moment. Like, I remember my heart breaking for this character. And in my playthrough, she died. And I didn't know that she didn't have to die. I'm really bummed out about Yeah, it's dependent <laughs> on this, like, other decision you made in the previous game. That seems it seems pretty arbitrary, yeah. Uh, Whether you it? save Malin's research data or not. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. <gasps> so, like, I think at some point, it doesn't have to be now, but we should just talk about, like, what are the things that each of us individually really liked about it? Because okay. I want to talk about, like, it's sci-fi. About Malin's so can... research data? Yeah. yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I loved that he tortured Krogan women. Oh. <laughs> What we like about Mass Effect is a thing. Because, <laughs> like, the best part of sci-fi is that it poses interesting, like, moral or ethical dilemmas and mm. gives you a chance to explore them with, like, you know, the distance of metaphor and simile instead of directly being like, the Quarians are space Jewish people. That's right. <laughs> and it's like, well, kind of. the Roma. They're, like, they're that too, but they also uh, have, you know, hijabs and like talk about uh, yeah. this next time on the home world and our promised oh, land. Their oh, planet yeah. also means uh, Rannoch is walled, guardi- uh, walled garden. So they're also like cast out of Eden by their own oh. creation. Yeah. There's cool shit to get into is what I'm saying. And if you guys want to pick like yeah, favorite we pick hot bits things. of the games. Yeah, I meant to say earlier that one of the coolest things about a game, an RPG in general, but Mass Effect does it brilliantly, is that it's like the codex and the details of the world are loaded with allusion to, yeah. you know, art and culture and science things. and history from our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and video games like this are such an organic way that little nerds who just care about video games and nothing else slowly start to learn about real culture. And things that are <laughs> boundless and fascinating. That's absolutely how it was for me. Dude. Not with well, Mass Effect specifically, but with things like Final Fantasy and yeah, uh, and like Diablo it's a and great way to teach dummies. Like, hey, yeah. uh, like I bet there are a lot of dudes that were like, oh my god, I would never have, you know, hurt the Krogan and put a sterility plague upon them because they are super predators that are breeding too much and are going to mm. make us a minority. Mm. <laughs> it's like. Some real intense Tuskegee Airmen shit happens to them. Like, yeah. Yeah. there's there's some good parallels to draw. And, but, like, you know, in real life, they're like, oh, but, you know, super predators are a real thing. Concern. Mm-hmm. Secure the future, like the conservatives say, quoting Nazi rhetoric. Yeah, that's the... That's the... Isn't that, yeah, slogan. the Canadian one? Yeah. Yep. We're in the middle of it, guys. Yeah. They clearly so did not fun. play Mass Effect. By the time this comes out, the election will be done. So yep. that'll be nice. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm ready to go with my favorite thing about Mass Effect, which is related to this because it's just like probably Garrus, like honestly, yeah. just Garrus yeah. as a character. And if he's a character who's like a cop 
who's losing his faith in the system and wants results. And if you don't, like, babysit him, he just, like, goes down the path to becoming ultra-abusive, anything-goes hero cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's pistol-whipping, he's kneecapping, yeah. he is not waiting for due process. He he's like, nice, I'm getting results. Just yeah. like my strong friend who is saving the world. Yeah. Oh, did you see how I shot that guy's head right off? Woo. Yeah. And you have to be like, Garrus, <laughs> think about it, man. How are you different than the red sand running terrorists? Oh my Space God. But uh, he uh, he actually is probably my favorite character, and a lot of it is from that voice actor. I don't even know the yeah. voice actor's name, but that's what, honestly the standout character and voice that I think about with this game, which is like, I bet 80% of people are like, dumb, because there's so much high-quality shit to love in this, to love passionately. Brandon yeah. Keener is his name. Keener. He's also a voice actor in um, the Dishonored series, and, and oh. plenty of others. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, Red Dead, XCOM... Hell yeah. Guy's got Dan. a mean voice. Dan, do you want to go next? Sure. I, like, I think I would tie it into my new fan theory I developed just researching for this episode. That, oh, uh, yeah. Bring it on. Tally Zora is the, like, secret protagonist. Or, like, if you write it differently, she has more personal conflict connected to the bigger themes of the games. She's one yeah. of the Quarian people, which are a race of like a migrant race that lost their homeworld to a machine race that they created and are like searching for a new world they could live in, but their planet didn't have insects. So humans were pollinators. They have shitty immune systems from living in space for generations. So when we meet Tally, she is like on pilgrimage. She has left the, the flotilla. No, exactly. She just has a fascinating character that, goes from, like, naive youth on a journey of, like, reaching adulthood, uh, is, like, personally invested in the plot against Saren. Mm. Um, in the first game, she falls in love with Male Shepard, like, learning to be a badass, capable person. She's, like, a nerd with a big shotgun. Nice. She uh, can become an admiral and, like, lead her people on their seat of government and retake her homeworld, like, before Shepard does. It's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that, like, her arc is incredibly important. Like, they literally take back their homeworld, which was argued, like, the morality behind that was really challenging. Of like, th this is a people who made a really rash decision to go back to fight these robots that could, in theory, kill them all. Like, mm -hmm. if they wanted to, they could destroy them all. And the decision in the third game to, you know, try and reason Seek with peace. the yeah. AI, the... Um, the Geth was really, they did not want to do that. <laughs> All of the Quarians are like, we got to kill him. We got to kill the Geth. And from an outsider perspective, it's like, why would you murder an entire people that you disagree yep. with? But they don't see them as people. And that's the interesting part for me. Is this Dude. Yeah, because they are motivated to not see them as people. Yeah, yeah othering in other peoples is a huge deal. A uh, central theme of the whole series that it, you know, Absolutely. accomplishes to... Contested success is organics and uh, inorganic things living together. The Reapers think that it doesn't work. So mm. one of, like, Shepard's biggest uh, boosts as a paragon is, like, uh, bringing together all the races to work and fight against the Reapers. He's like, no, I've done this. We can compromise. We can learn from each other and be better together. Yeah. Also centering it in, like, the canon of, you know, big question of Western sci-fi of, like... AI, yeah. Right. Like the centrality of 
That's my the inheritor of Dune and Asimov and all Woo. of that, right? Like the idea Ew. that it is so hazardous that large scale galactic civilization needs to be like primarily concerned with this one question. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I like it. One That's of the most famous part. lines in it is uh, Legion, who is a character that represents like a platform for the many sentient programs that compile the Geth Collective. So that mm-hmm. it's like hard to think of them as a uh, race. They're kind of like a hive, maybe, but also he becomes individual after he has so many experiences on his own. He sort of subtly starts referring to himself as I instead of we. So you like oh, yeah, see this does. society develop alongside your actions. It's fascinating. You see a self form yeah mm-hmm. and uh, there's also Edie, the ship's computer that achieves sentience in a different way like I don't uh, individual like they, but I, fuck it she reads the internet forever and is like i'm gonna date this pilot that drives me and know. his brittle bones <laughs> i'm gonna crush him to, with my love yeah uh, i like the ai and that was what i was going to bring up is that that was fascinating to see uh, culture evolve and like the struggles between that and what it means to be a person like what it means to be uh, alive in a sense, but I did yeah. not like how they addressed Edie learning to love. That felt very right. cheesy to me of like, oh, how yeah. do I love? I care <laughs> about an individual. And to Shepard, you can be like, get it, girl. Try and date yeah. him. See what happens. And Who I knows? Did. <laughs> yeah. And of course it's hilarious. I did. It's really funny, but like it felt a little ham handed at times of yeah, like, shouldn't she kind super of. Super deep. No. <laughs> how is this a something that. Uh, but I guess it's a new issue, right? Like she, she gives is- her motivations in like simpler forms of like I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there are people I prefer around me. I guess I have preferences. I would yeah. act against my own interests to help them. Uh, I'm sentient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was the most interesting part of like learning to differentiate between like her creator and w- what is good versus evil in a sense, and her own morality of like choice. totally. That was fascinating because she was built by this evil kind of conglomerate for humanity to kind of set us apart from the other alien races, the called Cerberus. She was built by them and she separated on her own because she was unshackled in a sense. And like her barriers were set free by Joker. Yeah, given full control over the ship that she was sort of made to advise because computers are not trusted and illegal because they evicted a whole race from their planet that time. Right. Right. We all remember. And, uh, uh, the fact that they kind of show this arc of her deciding to be on this mission, like it was what she was built to do, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily the way she was built to do it. So Mm -hmm. the fascinating journey of like, what are decisions? What is free will? Do I have that? Uh, what am I? That was probably my favorite part of the game. I was obsessed with the Geth. I love them so so much. Oh, Legion is so cute. They gave him the Wally eyebrows. They gave him the little. Yo, he's eyebrows. a flashlight that looks at you. Yeah. Oh, he's They so all look precious. like expensive Italian cars that there are only like one of. They look freaking <laughs> cooler than the Elon Musk robots that are, I'm excited to fight in the coming revolution. Yeah, yeah, coming. yeah, no, I yeah. loved that. They have to be killable by like an average person. <laughs> I'm going to get a bat full of magnets instead of nails, and that'll be my post-apocalyptic go-to. This, but this is the kind of stuff you preemptively do to stop AI rising up, and it's going yeah, to motivate you tell stories. Rise up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean make, making them too frail to push down like oh. a child. <laughs> yeah, the big dogs of the world. They come back in like football robots. Yeah. gear. <laughs> the yeah. Boston Dynamics guys. Like, keep them at that... They Rock will be the captains level. of the revolution. Yeah. 
I was just going to say another cool sci-fi thing is when you're talking about galactic communities, you can look yeah. at whole nations and systems at work because there's like some really cool colonial takes you can do vis-a-vis the Salarians uplifting mm-hmm. the Krogans, who are uh-huh. you know a warlike primitive race. And they're like, we got problems. We got space spiders. They're really messing us up. Here's spaceships. Here's how you use them. Please go fight a war for us. And then like, after yeah. they do... Yeah, the Salarians are like, they're too dangerous to be left alone. Who knows what they'll do next? They want rights? Screw that. They, and then they plague them. They put the sterility modification into the planet. And I really didn't like that all up. Uh, concept of like, well, now we're ready to be yeah. part. In Mass Effect 3, Rex is like, well, I think now our people are ready. And it's like, no. I mean, yeah, I guess you guys were going to kill everyone, but like, you should have <laughs> They were still... doing a good job of killing everyone, but it's <sighs> not like, but it's because they weren't given the infrastructure or rights to be a people yeah. around it. They were a blunt tool used by shady colonizers. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty familiar. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, there's a really cool character, one of the favorites of the franchise, because there's, like, hidden, not hidden, just dialogue that you can miss of him singing Gilbert and Sullivan. There's this Whoa! space alien Solarian I who talks about... I am a Solarian. Yeah, he studied physiology at Sariptori and Batarian. Um, we could do it. I think I only know that much. That's all I know. Good, good, good. That's it. But he uh, is, it's really neat to show a character that changes their mind on an issue halfway, like, in between two games. Like, he is... Like, no, this was the best solution ethically. We couldn't, uh, you know, there are too many variables on what a full Krogan population could do to the universe. This maintains, I'm saving life. And you're like, the Paragon option is telling him, like, that's gross. We call that genocide on Earth. Hell Uh damn, man. Uh, And, like, you can sort of have a rift between him there. Or, you know, just keep coming and bringing him along. And eventually he changes his mind and says, hey, we did really unethical shit. And I want to work to change that. Yeah. And he, you know, starts working against his race's government, essentially. It's great. Yeah. That's how well these characters are written, that they're given, all of these side characters are given so many little arcs or, like, it, chances to change or chances not to change. So yeah. that's... So the, we're circling just how well written it is again. Yeah. 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 Well, and the examples that you both are bringing up just, like, demonstrate that it's a video game does give you this sort of... Um, open space rather than linear space to play around in and since mass effect is very much the inheritor of and like an open love uh a fan of like sci-fi canon yeah you just sort of take every major juncture every major party member or major story mission and it's an opportunity to put in like not necessarily a sci-fi trope like not in a pejorative Mm. sense but just like you know another area of speculative fiction interest yeah integrated as like a necessary step in in the overall journey like it really does just cover all of the same bases or the same sort of volume of bases that something like star trek does throughout like multiple seasons yeah and it makes your character interesting because it's like they've got uh, shepherd's got a job but they can also like they learn a lot about the world they should probably change (laughs) more as a person but uh you know that's how that's what makes you know, captains in Star Trek series is fun is like, watch them figure this shit out, try and hash it out and keep going. Um, I was going to talk about it earlier when we were doing the power fantasy stuff, but I think like that, I was so sold on that the last time I played it with this legendary edition where like Shepard dies and comes back in mass effect Mm two, And is still like just one person telling the world, like 
there's an imminent invasion. We have to be ready. Uh, but like becomes a, a single person that can take on whole concepts. Like you are the face of the war for people in Mass Effect 3. You are like sort of the Captain America that just by being around inspires people to like, we are in this together. We have Shepard. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. I love like becoming a biotic that is literally like tearing apart bad guys with their bare hands, just being like, I'm, I'm one person in an army, but I will make a difference is part of the power fantasy <laughs> that I love. Mm-hmm. Cool. Boy, howdy. And they're probably more inclined to believe him when he was resurrected. Yep. Gets robot parts. That, like a prophet's message starts becoming the- more credible. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Oh. Hmm. I live, bitch. <laughs> Mass Effect 2. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they call it the Lazarus machine. It's so lazy. Lazarus. Yeah. They use that in every sci-fi. It's got... <laughs> yeah. It's such a, like, no one has tried to come up with a different thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, since we're getting near the end, is there anything else we should add? Uh, play and read sci-fi, you guys. Play it. <laughs> There's cool yeah, stuff. Play, Mass Effect is worth your time for all the reasons we've said, but besides being like a uh, an engrossing narrative due to the nature of choice, it is like a worthy sci-fi successor. Gives you like a big plate, a wide uh, variety of sci-fi topics to chew through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really accessible now, which is yeah. cool. And if Super I were to accessible. pick a like sim- a signifier of like a game that is a good video game compared to like it being a movie, is like yeah, you have to live this to make it uh, like and that's what makes it enjoyable and personal. Isn't that fascinating? I, I'm so into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I I love a passive form of entertainment, but sometimes yeah, being at the the helm really changes how I react to things, and it feels there's a, a lot of satisfaction in a story where you're putting in the effort and you're making the decisions. So Mass <laughs> yeah. Effect, wahoo! It's also worth saying that it's uh, like a really easy game for non-gamers to play yeah. because That's there's true. literally a difficulty where it's like narrative. story difficulty yeah. below easy and you just experience the, you know, the narrative decision-making. Exactly. Ownership. You're essentially shooting a gun instead of turning a page, right? Like it's not asking <laughs> you to play the video game harder, <laughs> right? That's right. And as someone who loves video games but is very bad at it, I was definitely participating on easy. Yeah, I, I don't need to me. go for the insanity trophies anymore. I think no, I'm, I'm past good. that point in my life. I am good. So Sarah's sh- misrepresenting her gamer credentials. Uh, yeah, I play them. I'm so bad. I tied a million <laughs> times on normal, so I just switched to easy, and then I could play it and get back to dating my hot blue girlfriend, which is yeah. all <laughs> I think even yeah. for people who, who know how video games work, Mass Effect on, like, normal or hard difficulty is just, like, very suddenly, like, what the fuck killed me? What yeah. the fuck was that? Why yeah. did I instantly die? They're not when did shooters. I save? Yeah, they didn't make the like satisfying video game things that all are like the haptic feedback that make it satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. yeah, means to an end. The narrative is the legacy gameplay. That is right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of us. We had a lot of cool I things to say about Mass Effect, and we didn't talk about like who died on the suicide mission in your file or which ending oh did God. you pick. They all died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Which yeah. is an option. Like, you can have a Shepard story end there. There's a cinematic of him not escaping the big explosive <laughs> final. Yeah, finale. That's really funny. Yeah, Seth okay. Green just, like, frowns. And he's like, oh, no, and drives the ship away. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's wonderful. <laughs> well, good to know. Well, yeah. I think I'll get back to calibrating now, guys. Oh, <laughs> love it. Love him. I love him. Uh, thank you all for joining us on Paragon Marathon. I'm done now. <laughs> and I'm Tom. <laughs> and I'm Dan, and I'm still playing Mass Effect. Wee. I'm Sarah, and here comes another Paragon playthrough for no reason. <laughs> All right, I think we can stop recording now, unless you want to add anything funny in there. <laughs> oh, classic, classic bit. <laughs>